May I speak in the name of the Holy and Blessed Trinity, one God in three persons. Amen. I find optical illusions fascinating. They come in various shapes and forms. Some, at first glance, look like one thing, such as a vase. But if you look long enough and hard enough, they turn into something else, such as two people looking at each other. Other optical illusions look like a geometrical pattern. But if you squint and tip your head in just the right way, a picture will emerge from the shapes. The intriguing feature of optical illusions is that the gap between not seeing and seeing is infinitesimally small. All of a sudden, the image becomes clear. And you can't imagine how it was you couldn't see it all along. This morning, churches across the world from the Western Christian tradition celebrated what is known as Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday commemorates a significant moment in the life and ministry of Jesus. When Jesus borrowed a donkey from someone he knew in Bethany, a village just outside Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives, and rode down the hill into Jerusalem to widespread acclaim from the crowd that accompanied him. To us, around 2,000 years later, the response given to Jesus by the crowd appears unremarkable. We know exactly who Jesus was and what this final journey to Jerusalem would mean. So a bit of shouting, singing, and palm waving seems the least that they could do. But in the narrative of the gospel stories up to this point, it was an extraordinary event. Until this point, Jesus' ministry had, largely, been met with bemusement and incomprehension, sometimes even downright hostility. Hardly anyone Jesus met, including his own disciples, appeared to understand who he was or what he had come to do. But when Jesus mounted the young donkey and rode it into Jerusalem, all of a sudden, this seemed to change. All of a sudden, people seemed to understand who he was. They shouted and sang and waved branches in recognition. A recognition which, even the day before, would have been almost inconceivable. So what changed? We can be fairly certain that, unlike the optical illusions that I love so much, it was not a case of the crowd squinting and tipping their heads to the right angle. So what was it? What suddenly helped the crowd to see who Jesus really was? It may not surprise you to know 
that this is a question about which there is much discussion and debate. Many people back the donkey. There can be no doubt that Jesus' mountain of the donkey at Bethany was not only important, it was planned. The story in the Gospels makes it clear that he had pre-booked his donkey. Two disciples were sent ahead of the rest to collect the donkey that Jesus had already made arrangements for. Jesus wasn't suddenly overcome with tiredness and fancied a ride the rest of the way. He had planned ahead. As a result, he clearly meant them to understand something by his riding of the donkey. So what was it? It is possible that riding a donkey into Jerusalem was meant to bring to mind a Roman triumph. Indeed, the alternative name for what we remember today is Jesus's triumphal entry. When Roman emperors who had been victorious in battle returned to Rome, they rode in style on a white horse, bringing with them all the people that they had defeated along the way. But if Jesus's entry is meant to be a triumph, it's a somewhat odd one. Jesus's major challenge lay ahead of him, not behind him. He rode a donkey, not a white horse. The crowd came willingly, they weren't coerced. To see it as in any way triumphal requires something of a stretch of the imagination. A much closer connection than a Roman triumph can be found in Jewish history. In the second century BC, a Jewish rebellion led by the Maccabees conquered occupying Greek forces. Their re-entry into Jerusalem following this is recorded in a book called 1 Maccabees. And it says this. On the 23rd day of the second month in the 171st year, the Jews entered Jerusalem with praise and palm branches and with harps and cymbals and stringed instruments and with hymns and songs because a great enemy had been crushed and removed from Israel. While the same objection stands that Jesus is not yet victorious, the event feels much closer to what is going on here than it does to a Roman triumph. If we add into this two prophecies from Jeremiah, one which declared that their king would come riding on a donkey, and another that proclaimed that God would begin to save his people on the Mount of Olives, where Jesus was at the time, you can begin to see that seeing Jesus riding a donkey on the Mount of Olives, accompanied by palm branches and singing, might just have stirred something deep in the popular imagination, tickling the backs of their minds and suggesting that this just might be the person that they'd been waiting for for so long. So I'm with the people who back the donkey. It's important, but it isn't the whole story. There's something else as well. All four Gospels record the people singing something along the lines of, Hosanna, 
Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. This is now so familiar a phrase in Christian tradition that it's easy to forget that it's a quotation from a psalm, Psalm 118. Psalm 118 recorded the victorious return, again, a triumph, of a king from battle, coming back to Jerusalem to be welcomed and celebrated by the priests in the temple. At the time of Jesus, Psalm 118 was important for two particular reasons. The first is that it had become associated with their hopes for a Messiah. It was a favorite psalm, often quoted when people talked about the person they hoped would come to save them. But also, and this for me is the really interesting, but also, it was a psalm that people regularly sang on their way to the temple for a great festival. Sources tell us that as they made their way to Jerusalem, the people would begin to sing what is known as the Hallel Psalms. The Hallel Psalms are Psalms 113 to 118. My hunch about what happened as Jesus rode the donkey into Jerusalem is that various things lined up. They remembered the Maccabees' triumph against the Greeks with its accompanying palm branches and singing. They saw the donkey and remembered the prophecy about God saving his people beginning on Mount Olives. And they found themselves singing, as they always did on the way to the temple, Psalms 113 to 118. When they got to, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, you can't help wondering whether at that moment the penny dropped and they saw Jesus for who he truly was, the one they had waited for, for so long. So what was it that made the crowd around Jesus suddenly see him for who he was? It was no one thing. It was a profound combination of memory, of place, of symbolism, and of song, which all came together in a single moment until the people around Jesus saw the world as they had never seen it before. This challenges us to think about ourselves. Why is it that sometimes we can catch the merest glimpse of God, of the world and of our place in it? And at other times, it feels as though we are wandering around and in an impenetrable fog unable to feel or understand anything? The answer, it seems to me, is offered by the events of Palm Sunday. Moments of comprehension and wisdom, when they come, emerge from the confluence of a range of factors. Memory and place, symbolism and song, words and silence, deeds and inaction, to mention only a few. Occasionally, the right combination of factors come together at the right time. And when they do, the fog lifts 
and we see the world as we have never seen it before. There is little we can do to force this to happen, but we can be open. We can wait expectantly, ready to join our own voices with those who have, over the centuries, seen and understood and been able to say, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen.